Welcome to the Untold Tales Audio Anthologies. Written by Dr. Jeffrey A. Robinson and narrated by Melissa Del Toro Schaffner and Peter Gorey. Where All Roads End A Pastiche with Apologies to H.G. Wells. George Wells sat in the time machine as it sped hurriedly through the years. His exotic vehicle glowed with a preternatural light and droned ominously as it plowed past centuries and millennia. He had almost given up searching for a way to fix his past, but had been inspired by an idea and was now on a journey into the far future where he hoped he might find a solution. It wasn't fair. All of his efforts to use his time machine to alter past events and save the life of the girl he had loved had all failed. Following her murder, he had grown despondent and desperate, eventually creating this machine so he could go back and alter what had occurred. He had discovered that he could change the past, but his inventions always changed subsequent events in unexpected ways. Indeed, as a result of his many unsuccessful attempts to change his past, it appeared that he had fractured reality and created many slightly different alternate futures. In his circuitous adventures traveling through time, he had saved Emma countless times, but his attempts nevertheless inevitably failed. Whenever he rescued her from one unfair death, different unforeseen events occurred that ended her life in different ways. No matter how he altered the past, she always died. As a result of his intrusions on the past, he had even seen other versions of himself make the same mistakes only to watch Emma die once more. It was as if God or fate had ordained Emma's demise and would not allow any future where she survived. He had almost given up when he came up with an idea. While he had not figured out how to solve this dilemma, he figured that there must be some distant version of himself that had. The questions were where and when this future version of himself might be found. Thinking of where in time he might hide, he decided that if he ever found a solution, he would wait one million years in the future so he could tell his younger self. Yes, that is where he decided he would be. Therefore, after powering up his temporal vehicle, he set off on what he thought would be his final journey. George stared down at the chronometer before him as years ticked by in a blur. Traveling through time at a rate of more than a thousand years per minute, he calculated that it would take approximately 16 hours of subjective time before he reached his destination. It was ironic that as he raced through time, it seemed to take forever to get there. Or rather, to get then. As he approached the target year and date, he adjusted the time machine's control lever a brightly glowing crystal key, and reduced his speed through time. The date on his small display slowed until the numbers were readable once more, and decelerating further, he anxiously approached the appointed time. Reaching a time exactly one million years in the future, he slowed until it was the right year, then the correct month, and finally, the proper day and the hour. Turning the machine off, he found himself in a large dark room. Checking the time, he confirmed that he had arrived at exactly 
8.15 on October 14th in the year 1,000,886. Climbing carefully out of the time machine's small seat, George found that he was stiff and sore. As he stretched, he examined his surroundings. He was surrounded by darkness, lit only by the small lights on his machine. The floor was stone, or some material like it, and his machine's dim illumination revealed him to be in the center of a large hemispherical dome of truly immense proportions. At first, he thought it to be completely empty, but then, as his eyes adjusted, he saw a dim light in the distance. This was the location of where his old laboratory had once been, but it wasn't at all what he had expected. However, upon reflection, he wasn't sure exactly what he should have been expecting. Without much of an alternative, he decided to walk toward the distant lights. Reaching into the machine, he took out the time machine's crystal key. It was the heart of the machine. It regulated the energies that the rest of the machine generated and modulated it to control his travel in time, both forwards and backwards. Placing the key in his pocket, he set out across the emptiness around him. Counting his steps, he found that the lights were more than a quarter mile away. Looking up, he could barely see the curvature of the dome above him. The structure must be several miles across and as many high. As he approached the light, he found it was a house. His house, just like the one he owned in London. Reaching the doorway, he found it open and knocked on the doorframe, but there was no reply. Entering, he walked through the atrium and parlor and was amazed to find that it was identical to his own house. Every detail, from the books and paintings on the wall to knickknacks and pottery on the nearby shelves, was exactly identical to the way he remembered it. Crossing the room, he emerged into the study and saw, sitting by the fireplace, an older version of himself, sitting and reading in his old overstuffed leather chair. Time had etched deep lines into the other man's face, and his jet black hair was now almost entirely white and gray. His older self was thinner, perhaps even somewhat gaunt, and deep circles under his eyes made him look frail. The man sat sitting in his armchair and wearing what appeared to be his personal smoking jacket and reading a thick leather book. Next to him sat a large but almost empty decanter of brandy in a bottle of an ornate carved crystal. He didn't notice George's arrival until he coughed softly. Looking up, the man smiled and said, Ah, you're here. I've been expecting you. So it is you. I mean, you're me. Just a future version of me. Of course! But you had that figured out already, or you wouldn't have come here. Then you're not surprised. No, of course not. I came here to meet me when I was young. Just like you, I came here for answers. The first time we met, there was a lot of questions about answers. However, since I've settled in here, I've met you many, many times. And I can probably be more helpful now. You mean I come back here over and over again? Oh no. It's just that with the way you've spawned off so many alternate timelines, quite a few of them reconverge here. Each version of you only comes once, but there are so many of you that you all keep occupied, if not downright busy. 
then why am I the only one here? I mean, I came exactly one million years in the future, so why aren't those others here now too? Oh well, that's because you always travel a million years into the future, but you usually arrive at different times. How is that? Well, each version of you is slightly different. All of you have a time machine, of course, and each of you share the same tragic past where Emma died. Also, all of you, you come here, you have the one million year idea, but each of you is also a tiny bit different. Some of your other versions choose to arrive a million years since you got the idea for the machine. Sometimes it's a million years from the moment of Emma's death. Or you will come on the anniversary of when you met her. You all came up with the idea of travelling a million years into the future. But you seem to have picked different starting points in time. Glancing at the clock on the fireplace mantel next to him, he said, I see you've selected a million years from the moment that you first turned the machine on. Gesturing at the upholstered chair across from him, he said, Please, have a seat. I know you have many questions. Chuckling. Indeed. I know many of your questions already, but only a few have definite answers. Please sit. I'd rise to greet you, but I fear I'm far too drunk to stand. Picking up the brandy sniffer next to him, he took a large gulp of alcohol and then refilled his glass from the nearby crystal decanter, emptying it. Swearing, he threw the bottle over his shoulder, where it hit the wall and shattered into hundreds of fragments. Half turning his head, he shouted, Philby, bring me some more brandy. Before George could react, two featureless silver spheres emerged from behind the drapes on the side of the study. Both floated quickly across the room. The first one stopped near the broken decanter, where it unexpectedly sprouted several tentacle-like metal arms and began gathering the broken shards. The other hurried to the other George's side, where it carefully deposited a replacement bottle of brandy. The new bottle was identical to the old one, except that it was completely full. Seeing that George's eyes were wide with excitement, his older self explained, Oh, don't mind, Philby. He's an autonomous artificial intelligence that acts as a personal servitor, like a butler or a valet. Gesturing at the room around them, he said, I suppose that I should have made him look human to fit into this particular motif, but this form was the standard model when I acquired him and I've grown quite used to his appearance. His appearance? Yes, Philby! But there are two of them, which is Philby. Laughing, his older self said, They both are. They're completely identical and indistinguishable from one another, so I don't even try. I think they share the same mind. Anyway, there are others around here somewhere, but they're all Philby. Draining the brandy glass, he poured another and then paused. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being a poor host. Would you care for some? I can have Philby bring another glass. Uh, no thank you, I'm fine for the moment, said George. Suit yourself. Just speak up if you change your mind. I have an endless supply. As the older George took another sip of the heady brew, the younger George looked about the room, noticing for the first time that both of the floating metal servants had gone. Ah, you've noticed the decor. After so many of you began visiting, I had it built so you'd be more comfortable. Built? 
Yes, the original was scanned using three-dimensional laser digital videography and replicated using a programmable swarm of nanomachines. Everything is accurate to less than a micron. Impressive, isn't it? Uh, a nano-what? Oh, never mind, said the older George, waving his hand dismissively and spilling some of the brandy from his glass. Just consider it technological magic. Now, let me guess your first question. You want to know why you can't save Emma, right? Um, yes, as you probably know, every time I save her, something else happens and she dies again. And that's the way it always will be. You see, you invented your machine because she was brutally mugged and died. Unfortunately, there are temporal constraints that only allow you to travel to earlier timelines where she is destined to die. Otherwise, there will be irreconcilable paradox. If she hadn't died, you would never have built your machine. While the past is flexible and can be changed somewhat, each timeline has points on it that remain immutable. Sorry, that's just the way the laws of temporal physics seem to work. Timelines? Yes, each moment in time is like a point on a string. The future extends in one direction and the past in the other. But it's really more complex than that. As you've seen, changing things can cause a string to split and generate alternate futures and alternate version of yourself and events. However, just as there are alternate futures, there are alternate pasts. Time is actually a very complex web. It's quite difficult to thoroughly understand. So if I can't save Emma, what should I do? Oh, there are endless options. One fellow found that while he couldn't save Emma, he could go back and visit her just before she died. You know, give her a nice day. Take her out on a picnic or do something she would enjoy. It would give him an opportunity to make her happy and say goodbye. I even suggested that to some of my early visitors here before one of them returned and told me not to. Why? Because it's not healthy. Apparently, a few time travellers did that. And then they visited her again for another pleasant, nice day. And the problem is it's addictive. You can go back and have endless dates with different versions of Emma. But it's just not right. If it happens enough, it becomes something like time-travelling necrophilia, where you love someone who's dead. Then, after a while, the time-traveller grows old and you can't visit the young girl anymore. The whole thing turns the time traveller into a voyeur who just endlessly watches other versions of himself meet with a young girl that he dotes upon. George's older self shuddered and said, And for me, that would just be too perverted. Are there other options? Asked George. Yes, countless ones. Some manage to grieve and move on, though letting go is very hard for most of us. Some decide to explore and find adventure in the endless multiverse. I've heard that a few met someone else and fell in love again. Sadly, some take their own lives. Raising his glass, the older George said, However, as you can see, I found my solace in alcohol. I don't travel anymore, I'm far too weak. The drink is a poison and my liver is failing, so I use what time I have left to help others, like yourself. George blinked in surprise. 
but surely with all these technological marvels, they can cure you of your ailment. Of course, said older George. But I figure you can't cheat death forever, so what's the point? I'll just drink myself into a stupor and enjoy the time I have left. The alcohol is killing me, but the secret is that if you stay drunk, you don't care. In any case, I figure that maybe I can help some of your fellow travellers before I die. Then you've given up completely. Oh, not at all. Setting down his glass, he picked up the book in his lap. For instance, this is a book on temporal mechanics that was never written in this particular timeline. It was bought for me by one of your, um, peers. Frowning, he added. It's not an easy read. Frankly, it would be even hard if I was sober. But it has some amazing ideas in it, and I do find it fascinating. Then there's really no solution, said George forlornly. Then you haven't been listening. There are an infinite number of solutions. Each of them is right, and none of them is wrong. With or without a time machine, each person gets to select their own future. There are just some points on the string that are fixed. In the end, it may not matter at all. Just as all timelines emerged billions of years ago from a singularity that some call a big bang, the moment of creation, so too will all the timelines converge back into a single point billions of years from now, in what others call the big crunch. Wait, said George. You mean there is a point when all timelines converge and come together? Yes, replied his older self. At that point in time, the end of time, all timelines will become one and all possibilities will merge. Even the ones that I cannot reach now. The ones where Emma didn't die and where we lived together until we died. Yes, even those and an infinite number of others that you could never begin to conceive of. George smiled and nodded silently. After a moment, he said, Then you have been most helpful. I have the solution that I was looking for. Thank you very much. I apologise for taking up so much of your time. Then you're off again. Yes. Are you sure you don't just want one drink for the road? George smiled and shook his head. No, but thank you for your generosity. Good luck with the other visitors. You're welcome. Travel safe, shouted older George. I will, George replied, and with that he left the study and the house. Half running across the giant empty landscape, George returned to his machine. Taking his seat, he withdrew the key from his coat pocket and inserted it into the control console. Then, slowly advancing it, the world around him disappeared and the glowing light around him grew as he accelerated forward through time. Silently, he watched the readouts in front of him. As he watched, the passage of time outside his vessel increased. At first, with each second, hours passed, then days and then years. After a few minutes, he reached his maximum speed, traveling more than a thousand years each minute. Then, George did something strange. As he continued to study the console, he pulled the key out of its socket. Without the key to regulate the machine's energies, his speed through time increased. Soon, he was traveling hundreds of years per second, then thousands. The drone of the machine increased in pitch, 
until it grew into a high-pitched whine. Throwing the key out of the machine, George watched it disappear from view. Before the image of the key faded from view, a hundred million years had passed. Leaning back, George let his head rest on the back of his chair, until the shrill cry of his machine increased so high in frequency that he couldn't even hear it anymore. This shouldn't take long, he thought. Even if the end of the universe lies many billions of years from now, I'll reach that point where all roads end and see what's there. If my mentor was correct, all possibilities will exist at once. And perhaps I'll get to see Emma again. For a while, he watched the flickering flashes of stars as they were born and died. Then he closed his eyes and dreamed of Emma. Thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please like and subscribe to Untold Tales on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Now, you know that we love our listeners, fans, and patrons, and we know that you love us too. So I'd like to invite you personally to join the Real Space Insiders community on Patreon. I often get asked, what is Patreon? So Patreon is a membership site that helps support artists and creatives to continue to do the work they love to do while bringing you the products and services you love. It's what helps pay for my time so that I can focus on collecting, recording, and promoting original science fiction stories of our time. The stories on our podcast are literally being written as we speak and as we are listening. In the Real Space Insiders community on Patreon, you're going to be part of an amazing international community of fans. You'll get exclusive behind-the-scenes content that nobody in the world gets to see live narration sessions that I don't post anywhere on social media or on the internet or on my website, anywhere. You'll get behind-the-scenes content, digital downloads, early access to content coming out, including events whenever we have them, and patron shout-outs. And you aren't tied into any commitment, so you can stay and go whenever you'd like. So for less than two fancy cups of coffee a month, you can keep the stories coming. So go ahead and pop over to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, forward slash Melissa Del Toro voiceover. That'll be down in the show notes. If you'd like to read more of the stories on the Untold Tales series not narrated here on our podcast, you can find Jeff's books on amazon.com in paperback and Kindle format. So those links are all in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.